The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Here we go. It's going to be an action-packed radio hour on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference, folks. It's one team, one plan, one fee on the show today. 401k basics for employers and employees because Annex Wealth Management helps with both. Ask Annex is on the way. And a little bit later, the psychology of spending in retirement. You've saved and invested you get into retirement and you don't quite want to spend the money. You get nervous about it. Why is that? We'll talk about it. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. How about that Friday rally? Let's start there. Well, it was actually the only day the markets were up this past week. Um, on the week, the S&P, NASDAQ, and small caps closed down about 1%. But we did get some uh, decent news on, on Friday. We got a great report from United Healthcare, a key Dow component, which added 170 points to the Dow's 658 point gain. Um, so they reported a nice number. Also, a Taiwan Semi uh, yesterday gave some se- some semblance order in the semiconductor space by raising guidance and beating on earnings and revenue. So a good report from the semiconductor sector. And finally, Citicorp on Friday, after many of the major banks reported somewhat disappointing results on Thursday, actually beat expectations. The stock was up 14%. Can't remember the last time that occurred. So why Thursday down for some of those financials and up on Friday? Just completely different companies, the way they're run? Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Citicorp has much more global exposure than some of the other banks. They have less exposure to trading and investment banking, as, say, J.P. Morgan does or uh, Wells Fargo. Uh, but just a, a better than expected report out of Citicorp. And Citicorp had been lagging the other banks for most of the year in terms of price performance. I did see a retail reading that was better than expected. It, it was better than expected. On headline, it was up 1% and stripping out autos and gas, which is important. Growth actually came in much better than expected at 0.7% versus an estimate of 0.1. The only thing I would say about it is in real terms, that retail number was negative. So when you think about the inflation effects on retail sales, you have to think about units, not just price. And in this case, units were down, but price made up for it. You mentioned inflation. So let's talk about CPI and then PPI. CPI, that number arrived on Wednesday. The expectation was 8.8, which was would have been higher than 8.6. Instead, went above a 9 to 9.1. Right. It came in at 9.1, um, a bad reading on all levels. In fact, the, the, the diffusion index, in other words, a percentage of the components of CPI that were up 5% or more, continues to expand, uh, led by rents, which up, were up 5.8%, one of the fastest increases we've seen there. So there is still pressure on the Fed. And in fact, subsequent to that report, the thought was that perhaps they'd raise the Fed funds rate by 100 basis points at the end of the month rather than 75. But some of the Fed governors have since walked that back. Yeah. Who thought that thought at first, that that just kind of leaked out and it became a big story? Well, it is it is what it is. You know, I mean, people say, you know, that Jim Cramer and the rest are all arguing, let's do one and be done. Well, who knows? You know, the Fed is, has tried to be transparent. They're trying to be gradual in their approach because they, while they want to reduce demand and perhaps get that unemployment rate up to 4%, they don't really want to cause a severe slowdown in the economy. 
the next day, let's talk about PPI, producer price index. That's not what things cost for the consumer. That's what things cost for anybody who wants to put a business together. Right. And and that was a double digit increase over 10% on a year on year basis. Again, a very, very strong number. Uh, and it looks like next month could also be similarly strong. So the Fed's got its work cut out for them. And right now, you know, we're in the midst of earnings season. And next week, we're going to hear from the vast majority of S&P 500 companies. And one of the things we're looking for and as an investment committee is for the analysts to finally acknowledge that the economy is slowing to some degree and reduce estimates because only after those estimates become more reasonable and realistic will people feel more committed to investing in the equity markets because they'll trust the E more than they do currently. Commodity prices continues to be a story. What's the latest? Commodity prices, generally speaking, have rolled over. I mean, oil prices are below $100 a barrel WTI. Gasoline prices are down 30 days in a row. So there's been some moderation there. But the, the key thing that my co- my colleague Todd Boy continues to point out is just because it's going down doesn't mean it's going to a new low. It's actually just re- remaining at a very high level. And wages are not keeping up even with those diminutions in price increases. You mentioned earlier the consumer sentiment up a little bit, but actually down a little bit, right? What about investor sentiment? I see a 15-year low. Yeah, investor sentiment is as bad as they've seen at CNBC in 15 years. Uh, The only other thing I'd say about consumer sentiment is we did get a better-than-last-month reading, and the key point was inflationary expectations do seem to be diminishing somewhat. So some green shoots. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer, thank you. You're very welcome. If you're looking for This Week in Review, it's going to be on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel and in the Axiom newsletter this weekend. Back in a bit on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management show. We'll be right back on 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Seems like it never ends. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. We can review. Know the difference minutes. Planning topics, including investments, retirement, tax, and estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. Just search Annex Wealth Management. We are back. The website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Know the difference, folks. It's one team, one plan, and one fee for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. Also, we're all over social media. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. We have a great Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel with over 1,500 videos. Also check out the brand new Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. It features members of our Annex Wealth Management investment team, brand new and fresh every single Monday. A little bit later on in the show, we're going to hear from Deanne Phillips. It's a piece we've run before called The Psychology of Spending in Retirement. I'm a big fan of it. And now she joins us in the studio. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development at CFP and a CDFA. Welcome. Hi. So that segment I like a lot because it addresses a lot of things that people would be a little bit worried without a plan. We have a mutual friend. We'll call him G. And he is a client of Annex Wealth Management. He and I were hanging out the other day and he was saying how happy he is with Annex Wealth Management. And I kind of shared that with you because I thought you'd be interested. And you said, you know what? G is a guy that's involved. And 
it kind of struck me. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so we talk about really partnering with our clients to and through retirement. And that really is a partnership. It's not a one-sided. So it's great that people are forthcoming with information, but we know that the second you walk out of our offices, life changes, mm-hmm. right? And, and our lives aren't linear. And so the plans can't be either. So we don't know what we don't know. And this is where we need our clients to help us. When there's changes of circumstances, anything from a salary or income or expense change or a letter you get in the mail that your life insurance premium's going up, anything, we need to know about that. The typical path usually is we'll have a first meeting. It's kind of get to know you. Mm-hmm. That's where we talk about, you know, we talk about the 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 analysis of what they've got. The second one is to kind of lay out a plan and see if it's a match. From there, we begin the relationship. And then how often do we speak with clients? We touch base with clients all the time. Right. The question is, we do need them to be proactive and reaching out to us when there are those changes. And sometimes people don't think about changes. We think about the negative transitions like death, divorce, disability. We talk about those on the air a lot. Uh, A change, obviously retiring is a big change, but there are other changes, expanding a family, getting married, buying a new house, moving. These are also stressors, but there also have financial planning implications. So this is, again, where there's any kind of change that can involve anything financial. You need to be in touch with your planner and you need to be proactive in working together on that. Well, and here's the other thing. Folks, if you're a client of Annex Wealth Management, don't feel like you're bugging us Oh, all. not at all. I mean, there's not like you get 10 calls over two years. Right. I mean, you can, you can call, like you said, when conditions change. You find out that you're going to be a grandparent. Maybe you find out that, oh, that cabin up north is ready and maybe you need to make a financial move. All of those things. All of those things are very important as life happens, right? So it's important to keep your financial advisor abreast of what's going on. What are the other things that that we're, you know, somebody that you'd like to see that involvement? of course. So, uh, you know, if people have concerns, we don't want them to wait until we do a reach out to them. If you have a concern about your plan because of the market, if you have a concern about a change impacting your plan, these are what if scenarios we can build into the financial planning software. This is where we stress test a financial plan. This is all very important. We look at all the different possibilities, um, especially when there's a lot of market movement around a transition. People can feel very insecure at that time. And sometimes we'll hear things like, well, gee, I, I don't want to retire and then feel like I might have to go back to work, right? And in this case, sometimes it does go back to the behavioral finance, how we frame things. Remember that we don't own the market value of our account. We own shares in companies. We own pieces of companies. Now, whatever the market, and air quotes here says, that's worth, and of course we don't pay as much attention when it's worth a lot more. It's when it's worth a lot less that we go, hey, 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 what's going on, right? But we know the market's going to fluctuate. We understand this as intelligent human beings, but sometimes seeing the impact within the plan is important. So seeing your advisor when the markets are in all conditions is equally important. Love that. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There's a glimpse into how we think and how we operate. If we can do that for you, if you're not a client, visit our website, click that Get Started button, AnnexWealth.com. 
Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Inflation isn't going away anytime soon. As the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises, you may wonder if your retirement plans are still on track. Annex Wealth Management can help. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, our in-house planning team will create your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth metric will help you understand the impact inflation may have on your plans. Get started today. Visit AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. He's back to talk about the humble and lovable 401k and how it can be one of your most powerful tools in a couple of different ways when it comes to investment and retirement planning. Welcome back, Tom. Always a pleasure, Danny. Humble and lovable it is, isn't it? It is. We're in a meeting recently. Our senior management shared new companies are coming on board to utilize retirement plan services, the team at Annex. At the core, what are we doing for those companies? We do a lot of stuff, but you can break it down into three main things. We obviously help with investments in the 401k. So we help the employer figure out from among all the investments in the world out there, which ones are we going to make available to our employees? And then we help the employers. This is, I think, a big difference between our team and a lot of the other ones out there. Our clients are themselves fiduciaries, right? So we always talk about Annex being a fiduciary. Well, in the case of 401k plans, the client is also a fiduciary. So we help them understand what are those fiduciary responsibilities that they have and kind of help them keep on top of that and, you know, some of the administrative aspects of the plan. And then the last thing is we help the employees not only figure out how to invest their money, but really how to be financially well. How much should you save for retirement? Should you do pre-tax or should you do Roth? How does this whole 401k plan incorporate into your financial life? What's not to like? And in the ongoing battle over getting employees hired and keeping them, right kind of benefits program might tip the scales in the employer's favor when it comes to somebody who might have those multiple offers. Fidelity recently published a study that said 34% of employers are looking for a new retirement plan advisor specifically to help with their employees' wellness and figuring out how to use these benefits. The way that we engage with employees is honestly the most fun part of our job, but it's also the most meaningful. It is a benefit that employers are starting to understand is really critically important, and there's so much that goes into that retirement benefit than just the retirement account itself. Let's talk about that 401k. If an employer's plan is set up correctly, using them, fairly simple, new employee joins, and how do they enroll? Is it automatic now? It depends. More and more of the employers are adopting automatic enrollment provisions, meaning once you meet eligibility requirements, they just start taking money out of your paycheck and it goes into your account. It is a voluntary benefit. So in those situations, if you want to do something different, you have the ability to make that election. If you don't do anything, the inertia is going to go in your favor. You know, at that point, the employee needs to decide how much of the paycheck is going to go into that plan. And you and I are right on the same page on this. If it doesn't hurt a little. Definitely not enough. <laughs> That's how I look at it. I used to say, if it doesn't hurt a little, it's probably not enough. Now I've, you know, I moved that to it's definitely not enough. You've got to have some skin in the game. You know, saving for retirement, I always tell people is simple, but don't confuse simplicity with ease. Saving money is not easy. But it is very simple. You just decide you're going to do it and you do it. Pick an amount that you're going to notice. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Here's another factor. And if you're a fairly new employee, you need to know this. What you contribute to that account is not counted as taxable income during that tax year. That's huge. Right. So if you're doing pre-tax, that is correct. Keep in mind, if you're doing Roth, then the tax dynamics are a little different. Either way, whether you're doing pre-tax or Roth, 
you are getting a tax benefit. It's just a question of whether it's happening now or later. And that is one of the things that we help people figure out, which is the right strategy for you, because it just depends on your personal situation what the best way to go is going to be. You got to decide how those contributions are allocated. How much help is available for that? You, you got to think about risk tolerance. Yeah, well, it depends on who you're working with. So, you know, when people ask who does your 401k, you think of that website that you go in to log in and, you know, look at your account balance and see your investments and stuff like that. They're not going to be able to give you explicit advice on where to invest your money. That's where Annex comes in. So, when we're sitting down next to someone, helping them enroll in the plan or just having an update meeting with them, whatever it is, we do have the ability to give very explicit advice. You should put 10% in this fund, 20% in that fund. A lot of advisors are not allowed to do that just because they're not acting in a fiduciary capacity. So the answer to that question, again, it depends on who you're working with as a company, whether you're going to get that level of, of advice. We talk about maxing out. A lot of times people will say, oh yeah, I'm putting in the max, you know, because my employer matches up to 6%. So I put in 6%, I'm maxing out. It's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. There's a maximum legal limit. And then there's the maximum practical limit. You know, some people would say that would just blow a hole in my budget. So you've got to find the right balance for you, but understand that if your employer provides a match, that's not the limit, generally speaking, of what you're going to be able to do. There's more room above and beyond that. Let's switch gears. There is the great resignation going on. Lots of people are leaving jobs. They're going to other jobs. If they've got a 401k, decisions need to be made. It is incredible how often people leave this money behind. We're actually working with a client currently who has just over 500 total account balances in their plan. 270, some of them, are former employees. And they've just left that money behind. So we're working through that with them, trying to clean up the plan. This is something that if you're one of those people, when you go on to the next job, depending on the size of your account, sometimes it's more efficient to just roll it into your new employer's plan. If you got seven or 8,000 bucks, it's an easy way to do it. But if you've built up a meaningful balance over the time that you've been at that employer, that's where you want to start exploring other options. So you get it into a managed account and have somebody help you with that to make sure that your whole financial life is being coordinated. Company owners, CFOs, HR professionals, you know it. It's a battle out there for talent. Create benefits plans that attract and retain employees, and Annex Wealth Management can help you with that. Yes, we can, and we love doing it. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. As always, thanks for the education. Thank you, Danny. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back. It's time for Ask Annex. As always, you got a question for us, head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. It's a dual role today. Um, Sarah Kyle, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, along in a bit. But first up is Jill Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thanks, Danny. This one is from Deborah. Can you please explain probate in regards to estate planning? I thought probate is something to avoid, but I've been told recently to change my accounts and assets from my name beneficiary to the estate of me so that my money and assets go into probate instead of directly to my name beneficiaries. What are the advantages and disadvantages of this? 
Well, that's a great question, Danny. And probate, what happens is, is we follow the terms of your last will and testament through the court-supervised process, okay? So if we have beneficiary designations that are very specific to say, I want my IRA to go to these three people, if you leave it on the beneficiary form, then that IRA will pay to those three people and those three people only. But if you have other people in your will, then maybe what you want to do is make sure that assets go according to your last will and testament to make sure that all of those people are paid. Now, probate generally is not something that people want. So what we want to do is is do a comprehensive review to say, what is your estate planning goals? And then how do we craft beneficiary designations for it? And maybe what we do is instead of using a last will, we use a revocable trust as an alternative. So I guess I'm part of the crew that always hears that you don't want things to go to probate. What are the advantages and disadvantages? So the disadvantages with probate are that it's a court-supervised process. So it's a matter of public record. There's various deadlines and filing fees and things like that that need to be adhered to very strictly to make sure things are done in a correct manner. That can be a good thing and that can be a bad thing. But a lot of times we don't need to have the court supervision. So instead, what people want to do is use beneficiary designations or use a revocable trust. It tends to save a little bit of cost and expense. And it's also not a matter of public record that goes through the court system. I knew you'd know. Thank you, Jill. You're welcome. And now we welcome in Sarah Kyle, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to Ask Annex. Thanks, Danny. This one is from Jack. I'm 51 and not near retirement. When I left a job several years ago, my 401k was valued at approximately 177000 fully vested. I left it where it was. It peaked around 278000 at the end of 2021 and has been generally falling since then. I took a new job four months ago and started contributing to a new 401k immediately. Obviously, this account is also suffering from the market downturn, but to a much smaller degree. I'm considering rolling my old 401k into my new one. However, liquidating the bigger 401k when it's at this drastically reduced point seems ill-advised. Should I wait until it bounces back some before consolidating? Hi, Jack. No, you should not wait. You shouldn't really be concerned about rolling over your 401k when the market is down because you will be reinvesting it while the market is down as well. Just like if you were doing a rollover when the market was at its highs, you'd be reinvesting it at its highs. What you should consider when doing a 401k rollover into a new plan are the plan's features, the costs, and the investment options. And you also have the option of rolling that old 401k into an IRA. And Jack mentions liquidating. It's not liquidating when you roll over. Correct. If you were liquidating, that would be a taxable event, but he's just rolling it over into the new account. Next up on Ask Annex from Bob, I currently contribute 10% to my traditional 401k and 13% to my Roth 401k. I'm close to maxing my yearly contributions. When I raise my contributions to max out my yearly contributions, which bucket would you put it into? Since retirement is likely over 20 years away, I don't have a clear idea what income I will want or need then. Well, Bob, great job on contributing to your retirement accounts. We love to see diversification in the different tax buckets, the Roth being the tax-free bucket and the traditional 401k being the tax-later bucket. But in general terms, if you think taxes are going to be higher in the future when you will be withdrawing these from these accounts, you would contribute to the Roth and pay the taxes now. If you think the taxes will be lower in the future, then you defer the tax and do the traditional 401k. Next up. 
is from Thomas. I've got a growing side hustle that's generating about $2,000 per month in income. My question is how best to handle this from a tax perspective. This is obviously untaxed initially, which means I'll owe the full amount of income tax come tax season. Am I supposed to manually withhold taxes from this income somehow, sending some percentage of it to the IRS on a quarterly basis? Or is this not a significant enough amount of income for that to be necessary? Advice is appreciated. Well, Thomas, taxes are pay as you go. This means that you need to pay most of the taxes during the quarter you receive income rather than paying it at the end of the year. I would recommend increasing your withholding at your current employer to reflect the additional income or paying quarterly estimates. You can increase your withholding by filling out a new W-4 form at your place of employment, or if you decide to do quarterly estimates, you can mail those in with a form 1040ES, or you can even pay online or over the phone as well. Not a bad little side hustle, huh? No, not bad at all. Nice job. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. And as always, if you've got a question for us, head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If we can help, click that Get Started button. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, July 17th. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Seems like it never ends. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Robert Chastain, Branch Director and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management Naples. Hey, Robert, welcome back. How are you doing, Danny? Not bad. Not bad for a Sunday. Hey, Generation X is what we're going to talk about. Kind of overlooked when it comes to financial advice. The general age range is if you're born in the mid-60s to about 1980, you're a Gen Xer hit particularly hard during the Great Recession, but they've got assets, continued working, paid less for college than millennials or Generation Z. But the journey's not easy for Generation X. Just just ask them. I'm a baby boomer, so I'm going to tease a Generation Xer, which I think, Robert, is what you are, right? That is correct. Okay. For a lot of Generation Xers, retirement is not that far away. It is time to get serious. We're going to offer up some food for thought for Generation X. And the first is about the career. And if times get tough, and right now unemployment's really good, but if you hit a rocky road, you can't give up even when it's tough. Speaking from a Gen Xer that's had three different careers in my life so far, it's not that big of a deal to switch careers. What I find really interesting doing some research on this topic, Danny, before we started, the typical Gen Xer has $64,000 saved. The typical baby boomer has $144,000 saved. And the typical millennial has 23000 We all start thinking about retirement at some point in our careers. And if you are, let's get a plan together and let's make sure you have more than the average Gen Xer. Gen X is not that far out from retirement. And if they've got those types of assets, you probably need more. You need to turbocharge it. Without a doubt, turbocharging it. But let's make sure that your assets are doing what you want them to do. The other thing that I found a statistic on the Gen X generation are they carry a lot of debt. Couple things, mortgage loans, HELOC loans, student loans, car loans, personal loans, and credit cards. If you are loaded down with debt, let's sit together, let's make a plan, and let's try and get you into retirement with as little debt as possible. 
third thing for Gen Xers, and you're talking about debt, what about the pressure or at least the mindset of worrying about paying off a mortgage? That's a great question. Right now, depending on when you got your mortgage, if your interest rate is at one of these uh, obscenely low rates, let's sit and look at it and say, can we make more with your investments instead of paying off? Say if you have a three and a half percent mortgage, if you're making averaging six, seven, eight percent in the market, why would you take that money out and pay something off that you are paying a lot less for? So let's sit down, put our heads together and see what really works for you. Robert Chastain is branch director and wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management Naples. Talking about Gen X, and the next step is to crack the money talk with your parents. And I think the first thing is, is you're not going to them with your handout. You want to see if they're in the right position for their legacy, and that's important. And then that might help you figure out where you might sit with that legacy. Well, it's uh, <laughs> that's very interesting. You know, the Gen Xers were part of the generation that saw skyrocketing divorce rates of their parents. They're also labeled out of the latchkey kids. Now they may be going to two different plans, right? If their parents are divorced, one parent may have one plan, the other parent has a different plan, and then they have to be the uh, referee in the middle and making sure that both their parents are covered and their assets are taken care of. And then finally, if you got kids heading off to college, keep in mind that you're not a bad parent if you can't afford it. Without a doubt. I mean, very few kids leave college with no debt. Do not be ashamed of that at all. If anything, you want your kids highly educated, highly informed, critical thinking, and independent. Make sure that they get the proper education, and that should set them up for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's not a bad idea for them to have a little bit of skin in the game, right? So for my kids, if any of them had a C or less, they, they had to pay. <laughs> okay, there's motivation. That's motivation. That's motivation. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate you, Danny. More to come. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Life is full of twists and turns. We all walk different paths. Not one of your friends and neighbors has your story. So it makes sense that your investment and retirement planning isn't the same as theirs. It's personal. At Annex Wealth Management, we get it. The Annex way is to meet you where you're at. That's the best place to start. Seasoned investor, careful saver, or do-it-yourselfer ready to tidy up loose ends. It doesn't matter as long as you're ready for comprehensive wealth management from the fee-only fiduciaries at Annex. And if you're simply stuck and maybe a little frozen over market turbulence and not sure what to do next, visit AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. From there, our team works on your personal wealth metric with a deep dive on investment, retirement, and tax planning. No sales gimmicks, no commissions, just guidance on what's next for you, your family, and your situation. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. Start today at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? It was drilled into our heads. Do the right thing. Put away and save money while you're working. Don't touch it. Keep building it. And it's hard to argue because that's an excellent way to build a solid nest egg to draw upon when retirement happens. 
But what happens when our human nature creeps in? After all, there's a psychology behind spending in retirement, and that's what we're going to talk about with Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development at CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, right or wrong, Deanne, we should save and invest as we go along until every day becomes a Saturday. What's wrong with that? Yes, Jenny, we should. And most people feel they are doing the right thing, putting away their money in retirement plans, plus savings, maybe even a 529 for tuition planning. The point is they're saving while they're working. They're told, don't touch it, just keep building. Then when the excitement of retirement is upon them and that dust settles, they realize they need to replace their work paycheck. Is that hard for them to grasp at? Decades, they've been seeing paychecks, and then they turn into the ones who are issuing the paycheck, and it's not coming in anymore. It's it's going out. Does that mess with our heads? I'm kind of a glass-half-empty guy anyway. I don't see you that way, Danny, but it does mess with our heads. It's interesting, actually. They're used to socking away for other things, like putting money away to buy a car, or even in that college tuition plan, and they know that when it's time for tuition, they pull the money out of the plan. It seems natural. They're ready to buy the car or put the down payment on the house. They just do it. Yep. But somehow, for some reason, they get the psychology of, well, I'm not working anymore, so I can't let that retirement pot of money go down at all. This is actually false. It's supposed to go down. It's supposed to fund our retirement. But there are all sorts of unknowns that play into our fears, such as how long will I live? Could I outlive my money? How much will I need if healthcare keeps going up? And of course, I want to have enough money to do the fun things. And we all know without doing a financial plan, this can lead someone to stress out and go into the psychology of, well, I have to have actual income coming in to offset those expenditures. Even if people have substantial assets, do you find that they get nervous about running out of money? Absolutely, they do. They go from hearing, don't touch it, to touch it, and they they do fear running out. What they're not taking into consideration, though, there's still growth on their assets happening over time. They got the snowball in motion. They're not taking the entire thing out and putting it under a mattress, okay? So it is the power of compound interest working over the decades. Also, something, especially for women, comes into play. It's called bag lady syndrome, so. So this is the psychology. No matter where you are, how much you have, you have a fear of outlasting your assets and being a burden on your family. How hard is the fight to turn on Social Security at the right time? Do we feel that it's like, oh, 62, I, I want to get something? So I'm really glad you're bringing this up because many people then turn mentally to needing income in retirement to be able to pay their expenses when they can't get their head around, just pull from my retirement funds. So they turn on Social Security, and maybe they will turn it on right away. They retire, here they go. What they're doing is giving up the growth of their payment and what their payment would be in the future because of their fear of not having immediate income stream. But this is exactly why they've been putting away that money. Remember to pull it out, use it for expenses. This is one of the biggest, I'll say it, mistakes that we as planners can see. People turn on all their sources of income right away when they retire, not thinking about the tax consequences, their cash flow situation, not thinking about how much they really actually need and how it might impact them, and not really doing the planning period. They just turn on the cash flows and try to deal with it from there. And this is where it's really all about that math. 
And we've got tools to help. One is the, at least what I think, the inelegantly named bucket strategy. <laughs> yeah, so we like to think of expenses in two different branches or tranches, buckets, if you will. Oh, tranche is much fancier. <laughs> the first tranche is your expenses that you have to have. So basically, I have to have these basic expenses to keep my life running. Rent, mortgage, utilities, basic food in the fridge, gas in the car, personal maintenance. The second bucket is the fun bucket, I call it, the discretionary tranche or the, hey, I want to have bucket, not I need to have. This bucket might contain travel, extra entertainment, above and beyond expenditures, those sporting season tickets, for example. Now, the two buckets, equally important. However, if you think about it, the first bucket we have no control over. We got to pay our utility bills no matter what. The second bucket, however, we can expand and contract as we wish. It's discretionary. We controlled it. That psychologically gives us more freedom, especially in that early part of retirement. It's really important if we retire into a downstock market that we feel we have some flexibility. Look at what happened with people who might have retired in March during the COVID lockdown of 2020. Market went down sharply. What planning can do is keep newly retired people in times like that from saying, oh, now I'm going to have to go out and get another job or I'll have to keep working and not be able to retire. It's about planning. It's about financial plans. And when we say financial plans, we're talking about running countless scenarios and possibilities that include a lot of projections. Absolutely. Planning makes us feel better about this bucket of money we've saved as a whole. It shows that over time, if properly invested, it keeps growing and working for us. So whatever life brings, we have a better understanding of how it impacts our money and our future. So in our last 30 seconds or so, I've got to ask you, should we feel guilty if in the first part of retirement we spend more? And please tell me no. <laughs> no, not at all. Just be cognizant of it. People do usually spend more in their first year or so. We call it the go-go years. So even in their first decade. But this is, again, where planning can really help out. Right there. It's about planning. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Inflation isn't going away anytime soon. As the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises, you may wonder if your retirement plans are still on track. Annex Wealth Management can help. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, our in-house planning team will create your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth metric will help you understand the impact inflation may have on your plans. Get started today. Visit AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? You might have grappled with the question, how much life insurance do I need? Not enough, and according to the commercials, a family might be in jeopardy if you pass, but is there a point when you more or less are self-insured and you might not need it? Let's dig in. And to talk about it, somebody highly qualified on both a professional and personal level, Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Eric. Hi, Danny. Well, besides your professional training, you're also a husband and a father, so I figured you'd be perfect for this segment. Yes, and life insurance has been on our mind because we have a six-week-old baby right now. And so we <laughs> having a new child, you know, it's you always think about these things. And really, if you think about your financial life as a pyramid, the baby base of that pyramid is having your estate planning documents in order, having all of the appropriate insurances that you need, and having an emergency fund of three to six months of your expenses. And I believe that you've got to get those three things checked off before you can really move up the pyramid. 
How much insurance do you need is a tough question. I'm going to guess there's not a real correct answer, right? Well, there are rules of thumb, but you have to ask yourself, do I have kids or others who are financially dependent on me? How old am I and how close to retirement am I? It's a little bit more complicated than some of these rules of thumb. If you go to Google and you put in how much insurance do I need, you're going to be inundated with solicitations for insurance. It's going to look like the results, but the first page and a half or two are actually going to be ads. What I found after further digging is a couple of rules of thumb I'd like to run by you. And the first, I guess, is super simple. It's you multiply your income by 10 to find out how much coverage you need. Does that work? It's not a bad starting point. And honestly, it's a lot better than many people do because many folks are simply uninsured entirely. I'm a fan of something that's slightly more complicated than just taking your income and multiplying by 10. I'm a fan of 12 times your income and then rounding that to the nearest $250,000. So still a very simple rule of thumb. You're not getting into the whole, am I paying for college and the mortgage? But that gets you, I think, a little bit closer. Here's another rule of thumb. Buy 10 times your income plus $100,000 per child for college expenses. How is that one? It's better. But if you're going to go down that road of considering college expenses, well, maybe you want to also consider your existing debts, like a mortgage. And while you're at it, maybe you also want to consider your existing assets and income streams that would survive you if you were to pass. I think that these rules of thumb are a great starting point, but there are actually worksheets available, Danny, where you can fill in your income and your age, retirement age mortgage balances and college and all that type of thing. And so what I did personally, I kind of thought about that 10 to 12 times your income. And I filled out one of these worksheets and kind of arrived at a blended number around there. It's interesting you mentioned that because that's number three. It's this thing called the dime formula. And I guess it would be kind of work sheet-ish. Dime is D-I-M-E, which is debt, income, mortgage, and education. That's closer to what you were talking about. Oh, definitely. I think that the important part is you want to think about your circumstances, right? If you're five years away from retirement, you have a much smaller life insurance need than someone like me. I'm in my late 30s, have a six-year-old and a six-week-old. So for me, there's a tremendous need for life insurance, right? And so I might need a higher multiple than someone whose kids are already grown up and you're three years from retirement. Someone like that may have very little or no life insurance need, even though they still have an income. So you can see how the income multiplier isn't always going to be that perfect solution. Yeah, there's not one size fits all. In fact, this is something we do for our clients, right? We look hard at their insurance. Oh, yeah, we definitely do. Now, we do not sell life insurance at Annex at all. However, we analyze hundreds of life insurance policies that our clients already have every single year. So we have a very active work that we're doing there. And so we're definitely helping people with how do you handle your existing life insurance as well as how much life insurance do you ultimately need at this time? Turning things around. Is there a point when somebody doesn't need life insurance? Well, this is the big conversation. So it's not as simple as an income multiplier. The older you are, the closer you are to retirement. Typically, your need for life insurance declines. And for some people, your need for long-term care insurance might actually increase. It really depends, though, on your circumstance. Again, we always say we're really big fans of saving for your financial future. If you've reached retirement and you've managed to save really well, you might be self-insured for long-term care insurance and life insurance. You might not need any insurance at all at that point. However, for some folks, you might have that long-term care insurance need as you get into retirement. 
you know, when you Google it, how much insurance do I need? You're going to be overwhelmed and you name it, it has been invented. There's term, there's whole life, there's universal life, there's index universal life, variable, variable universe. I mean, it's a huge list. Remember this. That is the big list that you just mentioned. And But many people's life insurance needs are temporary and can be met by lower cost, temporary term life insurance. That list you just mentioned, most of those are permanent cash value life insurance policies that combined investing and insurance together, which can be very expensive. Now, cash value policies can be very appropriate. For example, in the world of long-term care insurance, some of the best options include some of these cash value style policies. However, you really want to get multiple opinions if you're thinking about doing one of those types of policies you were just listing, which are, again, those are those cash value permanent policies. Get a second opinion with those because they're very expensive and oftentimes have a long obligation to them. It can be complex for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. Annex does it as a fee-only fiduciary. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager, CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch seems like it never ends. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference at Annex Wealth Management. Jill Martin is the estate planning attorney here, and she works with clients on a wide array of matters, including what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Leaving money to minors. Now, I'm thinking trust fund babies. I think that's the first phrase that comes to mind, and I've known some, and they've been A, insufferable, and B, it hasn't gone well. Well, it depends on A, the dollar amount, but trust funds are generally actually a pretty good idea. And I think today we'll talk about what are some of the alternatives and maybe you might get turned around that the trust fund might be the better of the four. Okay. The typical arrangement, right? Spouses would leave money to the other spouse in the event that one of them died, right? That's a the beneficiary, the primary. That's a pretty typical estate plan where, you know, married couple leaves everything to each other. And then when the second of them passes, it passes on to the kids. But it doesn't always work that way, right? If something tragic happened, but then there's plenty of single parents too. Correct. And so it's important to think about if something happened to you and you were the sole parent that was alive, whether it's because a spouse predeceased or passed away at a very young age, or there's a divorce and and they're just not in the picture anymore, those types of things, it's important for people to think about. So I was reading up about this and I came across the phrase property management, and that seemed really clinical, like it was a series of buildings or something. (laughs) What do you think about that? When you leave something to someone who's under 18, somebody needs to manage it, whether it's they get left a house, somebody needs to take care care of that house for those children, somebody needs to manage finances or a bank account for those kids. That's what I guess property management would be. So to properly pass money to kids, is this set up via a will or is this a trust? It can be both or it can be none of the above. What happens is we work with a lot of clients who they use beneficiary designation. Maybe they say, I leave my IRA to my spouse and in the event that my spouse passes away before I do, I leave it to my kids. That's a very typical kind of estate plan and beneficiary designation form. The issue there becomes if all of a sudden both spouses have passed away 
away and those kids are minors, they're going to inherit that IRA as minors. And so then all of a sudden they've got IRAs that they need to deal with and, and we have to figure out what to do with them. I saw the phrase court appointed guardians. If you have minor children and you normally in a will would list who would be the guardian of those children in the event that you passed away and they're still minors. What that looks like is, is there's two types of guardianship. There's guardian of the person. Who are they going to live with? Who's going to take them to school and coordinate, you know, the vacations and all of those types of things. But then there's also a guardian of the estate, and that's the person who manages the property. So normally in a will, you appoint someone to be that person. They can be the same. They don't have to be different, but you're picking who that's going to be. In the absence of a will, likely what's going to happen, an interested family member is going to come forward and ask to be appointed by the court. It is going to be someone that is known to the family that the court is going to basically pass judgment on and say that this is the appropriate person. Talking to Jill Martin about passing money to kids, many different ways, many different situations. Let's talk about something called the UTMA, the U-T-M-A. What does that stand for? So U-T-M-A is a lovely acronym in our legal world. The Uniform Transfers to Minors Act. That allows you to transfer property in a little bit more efficient way than having this full guardianship of the estate that comes into play. Because the guardianship of the estate has annual court filings, and the guardian is going to have to go to court and get permission to make distributions for the benefit of that minor. And guardianships terminate when that child turns 18. UTMAs are a statutory creation that basically allows someone to create an account where they name someone as a custodian to take care of that money for the minor. The difference with the UTMA account is it extends it out to 21, but it also doesn't have the court supervision over it. So that custodian who's who's taking care of those funds can use those funds for the minor without having to get court approval to do everything. So UTMA, to me, sounds cleaner, better? Uh, depends on your facts and circumstances, is my answer in my legal world, okay. right? The difference is, is the guardianship is very, very supervised so that the court is going to ensure those funds are used for the benefit of that minor. The UTMA account doesn't have the court involvement. So if you pick a custodian who's not real great with money, they could start potentially siphoning that money off for themselves rather than for the minor. So there's some pros and cons with both of them that depends on who it is that you trust to be that person. But generally, the UTMA is going to be less invasive from a, an administrative standpoint. So no matter what, when the, when the person, the kid, turns 21, they get it all? That is going to be their account going forward. Okay. And so what happens is... is You know, like at Annex, we have UTMA accounts for clients where maybe a grandparent set it up for a child. And so what happens is, is legally that child becomes the owner of that account when they're 21. And therefore, they have full control over that account. Could that be a disaster? 18, 21, 40? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) depending on what's going on with your facts and circumstances, any age could be detrimental. But a lot of people tend to think that 18 and 21 might be a little young for people to inherit money. My research has shown, yes, that is the case. So can you do it where somebody would inherit the money at 30 or, or later? Or Yeah. So that's where you can use trusts. Instead of leaving money just to the minor outright, which creates the guardianship or into an UTMA account, people will use trusts as part of their estate plan. So you can do this under the will or under a revocable trust that you use. But basically, instead of leaving it to my son, Bob, 
I'm leaving it in trust for my son, Bob. And what that does is that creates a trustee who's going to be responsible for that property management, making distributions. But you get to customize the terms and conditions that Bob gets to make distributions for and the age at which that trust would terminate, if at all. It sounds complicated, and it sounds like something definitely people need professional help on. Jill, that's what you do for our clients. Absolutely. Jill Martin, an estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. Inflation isn't going away anytime soon. As the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises, you may wonder if your retirement plans are still on track. Annex Wealth Management can help. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, our in-house planning team will create your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth metric will help you understand the impact inflation may have on your plans. Get started today. Visit AnnexWealth.com. We're back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, joined in the studio by Brandon Lehman, Director of Branch Development, CFP, and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Danny. Earlier in the show, we were talking to Tom Parks about the 401k plans that we help with both employers and employees because we help with both of those constituencies. Let's talk a little bit about business owners, and then we're going to talk about executives, and we're going to talk about what Annex Wealth Management can do for those folks. So somebody owns a business. How can we ride alongside and help? Yeah, so that's a great discussion, a great thing to look at, because when you look at the business owners, it's such a complex situation. There's so many variables. There's so many moving parts in a lot of those instances, because maybe they're a sole proprietor, maybe they're an escort, maybe they're a C-corp. So all of these different things, when you have a team at Annex and you can go to the team and say, what should I do here? What should I think about here? And we can bring in those resources for you. But that's that's when you're running the business. And you say that because you work with a lot of them. I mean, these are, these are people who have given birth to these things, raised them, went through probably some teenage years into their 20s and 30s. I mean, it's blood, sweat, and tears. They have poured their heart and souls into these businesses. And you can see it on their faces when you talk to them of how much effort, the passion, the love, the pain that has gone into building these things. And now it's our time to come along and work with them to help them through all this because they're probably looking at selling eventually, or transitioning to an heir. And that's a big move for somebody who has spent their entire life building this from nothing. And that, and that's really the key is they have started this most times from nothing. It's an idea that they took, they built. And our job is to help them understand how to transition, do it efficiently, effectively, especially considering taxation, and just help them move on to the next stages of life. Yeah, because don't think that this is just writing a check or receiving a check, rather, and then handing the keys over and walking away. I mean, there's pre-planning sometimes, maybe a year in advance. Oh, easily a year in advance. There's a situation that we've dealt with where, you know, they've started parsing out some of the business, whether it's the buildings, whether it's certain things over here, over there. And then we get back together and it's like, okay, this is the next step. So this is two, three years in the making. We've actually had business owners come to us. We've started talking about the planning deal falls apart, but what it means is it was an opportunity for us to showcase, okay, this is what we're ready for and we're prepared for it. And the advantage is we already have all that data. So the next time they come to us, we're like, we're ready to go. We're able to bring in all the team members, have that discussion and not just with Annex, but it's it's involving the CPAs you work with. It's involving the attorneys you work with. And in some instances, it's involving the M&A firm, the, the merger and acquisition firm that you've hired to do the valuations to help with the sale. We're all getting together. We're all discussing this. And then finally, it just comes down to what does this look like after the transition? Because it's a big 
big change in your lifestyle. Let's talk about big, big changes in lifestyles as well with executives. We have Annex Executive for those individuals. Yeah. So Annex Executive is a great opportunity for us to work with. And this is where a lot of the my career has been spent in either the taxation or the executive compensation realms. But this is where we sit down with folks and we really examine the complexities that they're given. Because once you get to a certain level, particularly in that publicly traded corporation, compensation is very different. It's not just, you know, here's a salary and a bonus. Sometimes it is, but in a lot of instances, there's a lot of moving parts. And it's fully understanding that compensation package. What does it mean? How do you work with it? What if we pull this lever versus this lever? What if we move it from here to there? What if we do this deferment rather than that? All of it is something that can be extremely complicated. And you have to give them credit because they're experts in their field. But sometimes, even if they're experts at what they do, CFOs, CEOs, they might be overwhelmed by just the way this is presented to them. And probably for most of their career, they've done a whole lot of what-if planning as well, but it's time to put it to a professional level with a lot of what-ifs, and that's what we do. Yeah, the the thing about it is they have to sit down, or we have to sit down with them and go, what are the opportunities? Where should we be making the changes? How do we adjust this? And how do we start looking forward? Deferred compensation is a huge thing. You start looking at the taxation of that, and potentially folks like to move in retirement, right? So looking at it, say, well, how is this impacted if I move? There are different state laws depending on what you do with deferred compensation. So it's analyzing that, building it out, building a plan, laying it out on paper, and then reviewing it. What are the options? Where are the opportunities? And how do we make this the best transition for you going forward? Brandon Lehman, Director of Branch Development, CFP, and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Danny. Folks, another thing on your weekend checklist, take a couple of minutes, fill out that contact form on our website, hit that get started form. We can help you. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. On behalf of the whole crew at Annex, thanks for spending time with us. See you back here next Sunday at noon right here at 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.